0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hey guys, this is Chris Perfett here from the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Podcast is going to begin in a second, but I just wanted to take real quick here before we begin to ask for your guys' help. Over the last few months, myself and Jerry Mallory, who's also on the Pride of Detroit staff, and you've heard his voice in the podcast many times before, we've been working on a pilot for a new podcast series. Is a story Jerry's been wanting to tell for a very long time. The name of the podcast is called The 438 Podcast. It's a story about Detroit in the 90s. It's a story about subcultures and pop cultures springing up, using hotlines to communicate with each other across long distances. It's about pro wrestling fans and young men who, who use these hotlines to communicate, to form bonds with each other and the wild, crazy stories they got up to. And it's also a true crime podcast. It's also about a dark predator who used the power of these hotlines to prey on many young boys as well. Jerry and I, we put together a pilot episode. Jerry narrated it. He did a fantastic job on it. We are now one of 10 semifinalists in iHeartMedia and Tongle's next great podcast competition. Uh, We have a chance to, if we win this competition, turn this into a full podcast series, bring you the full story of what was going on in the 438 community in the 90s in Detroit. It's something that is very near and dear to Jerry's heart. He lived this entire story, and he wants to tell it. So if you guys could take a minute, there's going to be a couple links in the podcast description. There are links where you can go and download the pilot for the 438 podcast take a listen to it and then there will be an, a link as well for the voting if you could go and vote on the 438 podcast we would greatly appreciate it voting on that podcast will be open until december 8th so please make sure to vote before then it's a chance to really bring a new story of detroit to light and uh, i really hope you enjoy that podcast but for now thank you very much for this for listening to me ramble here it's time for lions football And welcome to the Pride of Detroit P.O.D.Cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, and on Twitch and YouTube, where P.O.D.Cast is live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, weather permitting, but we're all indoors, so the weather is never really a factor unless we start getting some, like, really hurricane kind of stuff, or we just, you know, throw a coach out of a window or something, which, uh, spoiler alert, if you listened to the podcast yesterday... Go and if you haven't, go back and listen to it. That talks about what happened, and now we're here to talk about the future. We're gonna be talking about the future. What? The year two thousand. We got to kind of update that. We're in. We're in. It's like party. Yeah, I know. I know. Party like it's 1999, Jeremy. That is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett. P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Yes, we are looking to the future on this podcast. We are looking to we're going to give you a list cast, baby. We're going to give you a list cast who we are looking at in the coaching search. That's right. We got Jeremy to talk about coaching search this damn early. He finally
2: broke down. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to, to some head coaching the future searches is now. I'm I'm trying to get myself excited. I know a lot of people think I'm a big curmudgeon after the the Sheila Ford Hamp presser, but now uh, that's behind me. I am ready to look at the future. No not the draft. We're not talking about the draft. No. Baby steps. We need GM first. Ba- baby
1: baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> we also have a ma- mailbag, but I've completely done him a disservice. Our third man. Yes, Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother at Ryan underscore P.O.D. Ryan, um, welcome. And I feel like I should also say welcome back, because if you guys are watching on Twitch, uh, we have we have a tradition of bringing back pet of bringing pets onto the stream all the time. And uh, I have nothing else to say, but the goose is loose.
3: Hey, goose. Yeah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's here. Uh, his his new favorite words are apple pie. They really, get his, they really get his ears ears a jumping. You give um, him apple kinda, pie. Uh, no, no, just <laughs> just letting him you know know about the words apple pie. Apparently, makes him a happy, happy boy. Yeah, it's um, like kind of like, like hearing Matt Patricia is no longer the head coach of the Detroit Lions makes me a happy, happy boy.
1: Yeah, like as J.R.R. Tolkien said that the pleasing that the, that some of the pleasing words in the English language are cellar door. Matt Patricia Fired is pleasing to me.
3: Has a ring to it.
1: Very, very. It it just rolls right off the tongue. It is auditorially pleasing, audibly pleasing. Uh, So as I said, we've got a list cast coming up, so we're going to give you top three head coaching candidates for the Detroit Lions. I don't think we're there yet. I think next time, Jeremy, or maybe during the week, we're going to talk about general manager. That's a little harder to do. And I feel like that's, I mean, that, those are cool, but that's also not as sexy. And the NFL is a league where the coach has more press, has more importance than the general manager at the end of the day.
2: Yeah. And I mean, obviously GM has to come first and, and either way, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss all this. And maybe, mm. um, maybe during, you know, the, the upcoming weeks we'll have guests on that, that kind of have a, a general background on some of these guys and, and be able to interview them and get deep down. But for now, you're right. Head coaching is kind of the more sexy pick here. We'll, we'll get deep into those GM candidates either next week or during, like I said, during the week, probably do a list cast of those as well. But um, I think we're all just maybe a little bit excited that the, the team is going to be taken in a, a different leadership direction. And so we wanted to jump on the head coaches.
1: Yeah, and uh, real quick, just kind of final thoughts on Patricia kind of being out the door. Um, we've kind of had some time to mull over it and anything. Any closing thoughts? Because I know, Jeremy, you kind of felt gloomy about the future, but I, I for me, it's just I, I didn't get to talk much on that one about my opinions, but uh, Brian, Jeremy, if you guys have anything else you want to add before we jump into the list cast.
2: I, I'd say you take the floor here if you, if you feel like you, you need to... Jump in here, real quick. I I, I I'm exhausted I'm talking about the Treasure, To be I feel like we spent all year just complaining about what Patricia was doing on Sunday, so uh I'm at peace there. I think.
1: Yeah, I think for me it's exhaustion. Um, I mean, not not. I mean, elation through exhaustion. That it's like fine. It's like once again, I already invoked jrl Tolkien. So it is Frodo going. It's done. It's finished. <laughs> the gif of that. But at the end of the day. I was I so I was talking about this on the air. Um, I've ne- and we talked we hit it on the podcast. I've never seen Ryan that many players savaging. A, who, some players still in the league with other teams whose coaches probably don't like them doing this, but just absolutely savaging Matt Patricia out the door. You know, A. Robinson talking about you. You were going to end my career. Now look at you, kind of stuff. Darius Slay, even Kenny Galladay favoriting a few posts. <laughs> um which like, I've never seen anything like that. I've heard of dysfunctional. I've heard of dysfunctional locker rooms. I've heard of guys heading for the exits. That's not this. These guys aren't like running for the exits right now. It's just that a lot of them were pushed out of the exits. A lot of them were told, you know, you had a good culture here. And I kind of, I want to do a really nerdy analogy. Like I, I took Taekwondo when I was young and there was this one kid, like our first, uh, I don't even want you to call a taekwondo master, our first master, whatever. Kind of a fun guy, you know. It was it was young kids just house horsing around, just having fun. We had one kid there who was a little little slower, but like still, you know, fun to be around. He would always come upstairs. There would be a training mat up against the wall. The first thing he would do is just run full speed into that thing and hit it, just to just to psych himself up. He's like, he's so happy to do taekwondo. That guy, uh, that master retired. We got a new one in. And he had a very stern look. And first thing that kid did was run into that mat. And the guy got pissed off, made the kid like yelled at the kid, dressed him down for about five minutes and then made him do about 20, 20 uh, uh, pushups. After about three weeks, I never saw that kid again. That's kind of I feel like what we just kind of went through is like we went from a guy who, yeah, it's he's maybe not the greatest coach in the world, but he got guys to play for him to an a hole. I'm sorry. And it it sucks the life out of it sucks the life out of us too. We were not having fun talking about this team. No one was. So, I mean, I I get it for the players. I think I'm happiest for the players cuz it feels like for them their nightmare at least is a little bit over. For sure.
3: Think so. You would think so. It's just the nightmare is not going to go away just because all of a sudden the Lions front office and, or I guess I I should say the Lions uh, leadership finally woke up and did something about this because like you alluded to Chris already, I think the most damning thing is seeing players that are still within that locker room, not having Matt Patricia's back and then even kind of dancing on his grave a little bit, you know, from from the, from the, from the liked posts that Kenny Galladay had to, you know, I mentioned this on our podcast yesterday, but the, um, you know, the, the non-commitment or the uh, crickets crickets. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the lack of, um, you know, the lack of getting behind Matt Patricia that Matthew Stafford had after the Thanksgiving day game, you know, I'm just saying, you know, that's not my decision. And that's, that's really, that's really telling that I yeah. mean, he, 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 you know, for as much as we heard Jeremy from Matt Patricia's first season, him coming in and, and losing the locker room and then, him trying to win it back, he never won it back.
2: Yeah, I mean, he just brought in guys that 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 were already on his side. Essentially,
1: we we didn't hear much from the Ricky Jean Francois of the world yesterday. I'll just say that, like, even the guys who were apparently in his quarter,
2: uh, yeah, did no one. There, I mean, we yeah. still. I mean, we are almost what thirty hours since they fired Matt Patricia, and not a single Lions player has been like, man, it sucks that that happened. Like. Shouldn't have been on him. It was on us or something like, I mean, you hear that sort of stuff yeah. all the time. And I, and I'm sure we will hear it, you know, starting on Monday when the player press conferences happen. But the fact mm-hmm. that no one went out of their way is telling.
1: Yeah. As, as uh, Joshua Mercer sevens pointing out in our Twitch chat, especially when Stafford advocated for Jim Bob Cooter, you know, after, after Cooter was out of town and uh, Zach Snyder in our chat, again, I think he hits it up just straight. Like lions, new culture. You got to treat men like men. This isn't, the, the, the Vince Lombardi days are done like these guys. These guys know what they're doing. They're professionals at the end of the day. And that's the thing is like there was nothing professional
2: about what happened in Detroit. But I digress. We should do this cast. Let's yeah, let's not talk about the not so fun anymore. Let's let's get fun. let's do let's the wild.
1: perspective stuff. Yes, let's,
2: let's get let's nuts. Wildly speculate. This is basically the mock drafts of, of head coaches. Let's talk. Top three coaching candidates for each of us. I'm excited. Bring it, Jeremy. Bring a list cast theme, do it.
3: One two three four five six seven eight nine one. All
1: right, let's start our listcast. All right, I like it. Now, let's start. We have top three for each of us. We have top three. We're gonna keep it a little uh, shorter, but I feel like it's technically. We're doing a, a five in this way in that we have two guys. I think we all share two guys that I think a lot of Lions fans are talking about that are not on our list. And I feel like, Jeremy, we should get to those guys first before we do our top three. Let's do that. Yeah. So I think the obvious one, I, I'm going to I'm going to slaughter the the, the, the the leanest hog here first before we get to the surprising pick. That I think Jim Harbaugh is not any on any of our lists. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> put that, put that fantasy down right now.
2: That's not happening, Ryan. <laughs> like, yeah, I I don't need to explain myself, right? Like, I I know what Michigan football is at right now. I don't, right. I don't know what happened. Like, so someone's making a joke that they're happy to see the the brights in my eyes again because of how miserable the season has been. What happened to the brights in in his eyes? What happened to <sighs> like the energetic head coach that was doing all sorts of fun stuff? Both on the field and off the field, Jim Harbaugh is, is a is a shell of his former self, and I don't want anything to do with him. Period.
3: Yeah, it's pretty clear that for anybody who is holding out hope that he could re conjure up the magic that he that he had when he was with the San Francisco 49ers, you really I, it, to to get this franchise headed in the right direction, you want to roll those dice. You want to roll those dice on 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 a Jim Harbaugh retread in Detroit and. Let, let's be honest if Jim Harbaugh is gonna be successful anywhere he's gonna he's gonna reroute from Michigan hit up some smaller school and try to rebuild and, and go back that way I, I I can't I can't see him making the jump to the NFL again and, and failing No.
1: I actually have it on good authority that, you know, if he is going to get jettisoned and if he does do this whole NFL comeback, and this is maybe good news for Lions fans, if you're not a Harbaugh fan, uh, I've heard that his dream destination would be the Chicago Bears.
3: Yes. Go. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Go forth, young man. You know what? I am all for Jim Harbaugh going back into the NFL. Uh, let the record show that I have stricken everything I just said uh, 15 <laughs> seconds ago. I would love for him to have a place in Hallis Hall. I
2: mean, he's spent the past, what, five, six years struggling to find a quarterback in at Michigan. Struggle all you want in Chicago, too. They're having well, fun with that.
1: Here's the other thing, too, and this is what kills me here because I know, like, the, someone will say, oh, it's just recruiting. It, it wasn't just recruiting there. And the, the thing that kills it for me is that uh, several things. First off, I've heard from from some former players who went to go and interview with four, the 49ers when he was there, who were thinking about his free agents coming there and they they would share stories about how they'd meet Harbaugh and it was a massive turnoff. They wanted nothing to do with that. So, like, I, I get it. We, we, we've we kind of internalized. Oh, Harbaugh, he's so quirky. That's not always a positive. Like, that kind of crazy does turn a lot of people off. And again, these guys are professionals. Football is their job. They want to do their job. They don't want to deal with a guy who's flying off the handle sometimes. And the other thing, too, is I feel like we've given him a pass on how it ended in the fo- with San Francisco. I feel like history has placed all of that blame on how it fell apart on Trent Balky and Jed York. And I contend there was more than just those guys who were the assholes in the room. I, Harbaugh, absolutely had to tango there. To, to make that relationship fall apart.
2: Probably true.
3: Yeah, I, Jim Harbaugh is a psychopath. I don't want anything to do with him.
1: <laughs> All right, now the other guy, which I think is going to... The, the the needle is going to scratch on the record here, I feel like. So I'm, I'm bracing for our for our live audiences when we say this. Eric Biennemi is not on our list of head coaches.
2: Nope. I'm sorry, I... I can't separate the man from, from Andy Reed at this point. Um, uh, it, it feels, it feels kind of like the offensive version of hiring Matt Patricia, where you're just like, Andy Reed is the guy who's succeeded everywhere. He's went Eric B is the guy who's kind of feels like he's riding on the coattails of him and one Patrick Mahomes and some, yeah, the Andy Reed coaching tree has certainly been better than the bill Belichick one, but it hasn't been perfect. Matt Nagy hasn't been perfect in Chicago. Um, and so, I don't know. It, it's, I, I it's not a strong feeling against him. He's, he's probably in my top ten, but I I like my top three guys a lot better than I like Eric Bienemy. Ryan, your take on Bienemy?
3: Um, with, with Bienemy, I think I echo a lot of the sentiment that Jeremy just laid out. You're worried about whether or not you're getting a guy who just had the luxury of having, you know, the best quarterback in football and a creative. Offensive creative genius and Andy Reid to kind of you know run the show. So um, I, I I don't know if I'm so totally out on Bienemy. It's just I wouldn't be I wouldn't be very excited if he was the hire.
1: Yeah, and there's I I, I echo on all of that. I only want Bienemy if he's bringing Mahomes with him. I think is the thing. But there's some stuff besides just his coaching pedigree that um and and I'm this is me kind of. My, my gut is nodding a little bit as I try to say this, but like there's there's red flags in the background of the enemy. And I, I, I get it. It's in the past. But we just got done with a coach who had, you know, a credible sexual assault allegation in his past who came in defiant, who apparently the Lions didn't pick up on that on their radar, even though it was in the public record and they didn't do a background check or something that we just dealt with that. And that kind of throws a lot of shade on it. I mean, you you can go look up there there's several. I I can't say a lot of the stuff. I got some stuff off the record from some of my people I know, and like I sound like a jack wagon just saying it like that. But I'm sorry, there's a lot of red flags in Bienem's past. This guy has DUIs on his record. He was banned from Colorado's campus for for a few years. And he he was tied to a uh, just a awful like University of Colorado scandal where there was uh, recruiting alle- allegations, the recruiting staff, which the spearheaded using, you know, the Buffaloes, Colorado Buffaloes using alcohol and sex to lure and recruit sexual assault rife on the campus. And he was he he was there in, in the middle of all of that. And I'm sorry, like a lot of that got swept under the rug. We don't know what happened, but th- when there's smoke, there's fire. And honestly, Honestly, even if all of that is Bubkiss, I still want a guy who's clean coming in. You need a high character guy to clean up what just happened here after Matt Patricia. And if any of that is in your past, I'm sorry. That doesn't mean that you can just keep rolling forward. I'm not saying you have to lose your job or whatever. But at the same time, that also means I don't need to be comfortable with you as a candidate for, for this new job. Fair That's enough. what scares me. That's what scares me the most about the enemy. Not even all the offensive stuff. It's just literally all that other stuff. Like I, I post a bunch of articles out there, but you can go back there. It's all in the past there. It's, it's, it, it's just, it's there. There's a lot. And well, some the, I, I can,
3: yeah. I I can agree with you from this standpoint, Chris. I, I think the lions have to do their due diligence and they, have to actually like vet all sources and make sure that they're hiring a high character guy. Yes. Because you can't have the same thing that happened with Matt Patricia happen again, because I mean, for as bad as that looked for Rod Wood, who for some reason on Twitter has, has all of a sudden garnered a a faction that defends him for some reason. Um, I don't get it. I mean, let's, let's, let's not remember that Rod Wood was the one um, also heading up the, uh, the Matt Patricia hire. So.
1: Yeah all right um i think we've gone a little long here so i'm going to take we're, we're early so i'm going to take a quick break here when we come back we'll do our top three so we're into the list cast we tell you the two who are out now stick around for the three who are in and honestly i it's not going to be the same three i think all of us we shared our lists to each other we usually don't do that but uh, there's a lot of div- diversity here so there's a lot of guys out there so i mean we're not shorting out. The uh, anything by taking away Harbaugh or enemy. There's a lot of good guys out there that I can see taking this Lions job. Stick around. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. okay enough horsing around welcome back to the friday detroit pod cast i our, our twitch chat is bringing out the torches because we spent so long there and uh i don't even think we spent that long there but they want to hear the three names everyone wants to hear their three names everyone's pounding the table going list cast list cast coach 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 the the attendance pounding it everyone's pounding it. it's like teeth 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 but coach 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 they want to hear the coaches so how do we want to start this uh I do not have mine listed one to three. I have them in specific categories because I don't really want to give these a particular order. But if you guys want to go one to three, by all means, let's start with uh, Ryan. Who is your third slash any other category you want?
3: Okay, my my third my third guy. Uh, Unfortunately, he just lost uh, a a semi shootout (laughs) with, uh, with, with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but it's the offensive coordinator on the other side of the ball, Byron Leftwich. All right, let me uh, let me sell you on Byron Leftwich. Right? I mean, has cut his teeth in the league. I mean, this isn't his first gig. Um, quarterbacks coach, uh, offensive coordinator with Arizona, and then moved over to Tampa Bay. It, it's not really his fault that Tom Brady has a noodle for an arm at this point in his career. But I think that Tampa Bay does some really interesting things on offense and. What I like about the Left Witch hire is that you get a young coach who is offensive minded. Um, and I don't feel like this is really a knee jerk reaction in the opposite direction of the Matt Patricia hire, but I, I, I just like the idea of a young, offensive minded coach who, who I mean, played in the league, quarterback, has respective players, and. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in on Byron Leftwich. I mean that, that is a higher. And that's where like my list kind of starts is that like number three is a guy that if they hired him, like I would be happy and I'd be excited about it.
1: Yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I don't think Tampa Bay really moves the needle for me, but I mean, that's because it's Tampa Bay. I don't think it's, it's like, I don't
2: know. I, I don't. Jeremy know. Jeremy shaking I, I, his head. I can't get behind Byron Leftwich right now. I feel like their offense is coming under a lot of well-deserved criticism right now. They got all these weapons. They got Tom Brady, and I know he doesn't have the strength of his arm, but he's still got the brain of Tom Brady, which is pretty darn good. And that offense is just not clicking like it should be. And I don't know. I'm. I'm I maybe he just maybe he's kind of a bun in the oven, not quite ready to to be a head coach yet. But I'm just I, I'm not ready for for him to be a head coach, and I, I don't. I'm with you. I want a young rising young offensive minded coach and I'm I'm about to give one, but leftwich ain't my guy.
3: This is this is the inverse of the Andy Reid Eric Bienemy situation. Bruce Arians is just a gargoyle. Like
1: Yes, agree. One hundred percent. No, I'm with I, you. I, I, Yes,
3: I, I don't I don't like what he's doing. Yeah. So Okay. But fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough.
2: All right. Uh Jeremy, who is at number three for you? You want to talk about a young guy. I got a 31-year-old offensive coordinator Ooh. in the NFL who's in his first year in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, but he's been under Sean Payton. He just is responsible for the number one draft pick in this draft. Joe Burrow, give me Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady. This is my wild one. This is my, like, let's roll the dice and hope we got the next Sean McVay type of thing. But cutting your teeth with, with – Sean Payton is, is a pretty good place to start. Going over to LSU and turning Joe Burrow into an absolute star after he was basically an unknown at LSU is is a big kind of notch in his belt. And I think he's done a pretty darn good job over in Carolina. Granted, they have a lot of weapons, but he's had to do most of it without Christian McCaffrey. And and I go back to, to a couple of weeks ago, when the, or one week ago when the Lions played him, and they had a pretty good game plan for P.J. Walker. He made a couple of mistakes in that game, but... I thought they looked pretty good. And yes, all of that comes with a huge caveat that they played the Lions defense and basically everyone (laughs) looks good. But given that you had a short timeline to give PJ Walker a a pretty different quarterback, uh, I thought they came out with a good game plan. Now, again, I have, I kind of have a pros and cons list here. You know, he's only been coaching since 2013, obviously since you're a 31 year old, you're not going to have a deep resume. Um, I think that might limit his ability to round out finding a coaching staff as well. Um, probably haven't created a bunch of connections. Um, There's also kind of the weird situation where at LSU, he accepted a three-year extension. And then a week later, he bolted to Carolina. That kind of stuff is always kind of like, don't, don't do, you know, don't, don't do, don't do that. Like, I don't know. Me, you you want a guy that can make a decision and stick with it, um, and yeah, and I, it's just kind of always super risky to take a super young guy like that because you never know how they're going to work out with players that are potentially older than him. Yeah,
1: let me let me uh, vibe off a few things. First off, on taking the deal with LSU and then bolting to Carolina, I don't fault him as much for that, just because college uh, contracts in the college ranks they're they're on napkins, man. Guys do it all the time in college. It's kind of a it's kind of accepted at this point. Guys just take the money and then bolt whenever they want. Like it older guys than Joe Brady have done that. I'm just going to say that. Sure. Like if I'm going to fault him for anything, he's going along with a well-trod tradition of coaches just getting a bunch of money and then immediately going for greener pastures. Um I vibe with what you're saying in that he's uh probably doesn't have a lot of connections to make a coaching staff. He would probably have to lean on a good general manager and again i want my coaches to be strong in the nfl i don't want them leaning on general managers i think that coaches should be the ones kind of leading the charge in a lot of the ways especially if you are of an offensive mind because you're kind of in my mind a little more hands-on but again the big thing for me is that i don't want to be covering a coach who's younger than me i'm sorry i'm not ready for that That's i'm not of- ready for that reality jeremy i'm not ready for he, he's he's
2: older than ryan but younger than the two of us But you know what? Maybe we get Joe Brady to to play Fortnite with us on Twitch. Maybe. The other thing, too, is like...
1: I I, I think we're jumping the gun a little bit on him, because again, as you said, he's the passing coordinator and a position coach at LSU. He's the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, and Matt Rule... I think Matt Rule gets a lot of the credit right now in, in in Carolina. I'm not saying I'm taking too much away from Brady, but Rule is a fantastic offensive mind. Sure. But then before that, he's an offensive assistant for the Saints. He's an off he's a graduate assistant for Penn State's, and he's the linebackers coach at William and Mary. He's just I know he's young, but there's not a lot of resume to go off there and say this guy is ready to be an NFL head coach. I think it's a little he needs a little more time to bake.
2: That's what they said that, that's about where Sean McVay. He was third. He was not even yet 31 when they hired him. Really? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. as the head coach, yeah. Sean oh, okay. McKay, two weeks, I think, either two weeks before or two weeks after he turned 31 is when Sean McVay got hired. Jeez.
3: Yeah. Um, I don't want to feel we'll, like I'm we'll, dying here. We'll we'll get to one of the names on Chris's list. Let's just say that the first time a head coach gets hired and they're pretty young. Well, I feel like that works out a lot less often than it than it hits
1: well you, it's funny you say that because <laughs> I am going to start here and sit in place of number three this is the crazy hamburger let's get nuts you want to get nuts let's get nuts Jeremy's already shaking his head but I am serious about this guy and like listen I he's the lowest on my list you know what he is my three right now he is my way out in left field pick but I want to stump for him and that's Lane Kiffin Lane bleeping Kiffin I want I I would like to see him as an NFL head coach and like listen Listen, listen, I know you are holding 10-year history against him. He was so young when he got that Oakland Raiders head coaching job, and that was a disservice that Al Davis put upon him, to throw him in that bleeping young when he had very little experience up until that point. And yeah, then he goes from there to Tennessee and, you know, stinks of the joint. Then it goes the USC, stinks up the joint. But I'm sorry, you have to fail sometimes to go upwards, and after he went to Alabama... You know, we saw the offensive mind that he could do at Alabama with the talent he got, how he like Alabama. Do you not remember before Lane Kiffin? Those Alabama offenses were just really a slow rumbling machine with A.J. McCarron at quarterback. And suddenly he put it in there and brought them not only into the 21st century, but into the future. And then here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. And I know you guys are like shaking your head about this because it's a small school, but guess what, Matt, this is the Matt Rule blueprint. This is what Matt Rule did, and look where he is in the NFL. Lane Kiffin then, after Alabama, went and took the head coaching job at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic has been a nothing burger since Howard Schnellenberger started that. A literal nothing burger. Howard Schnellenberger was actually like awful there, too like he put Florida he, he was he was taking Florida Atlantic to the bowl games that was never heard of and it's not because he had a lot he was a good recruiter there you, you know maybe he is a good recruiter on the college level but what happened at Florida Atlantic was a system of how well he was scheming for that level of play and he was housing everyone he was running circles around people it's a small thing but he also has small talent too no one's going to Florida Atlantic he's taking guys and making and making them punch way above their their pay grade I think at this point he he's going to come back to the NFL at some point he is the son of Monty Kiffin and as we know in the NFL they love their dynasties he is going to come back to the NFL at some point I think he's done enough in my eyes to redeem himself and show that he has the offensive mind that I want and everything I know about him is also that he he is a guy who he he's he's Very personable, but he doesn't rub his players the
2: wrong way. Well, he certainly rubs our Twitch chat the wrong way based on, I know, I, I know, I know
1: like again, but that's what I mean. Everyone remembers the, the Raiders years. They remember USC. They remember the really awful year at Tennessee, but I'm telling you guys, you have to pay attention to his recent career. He has redeemed himself. He has, he's revitalized his career. Please give him a chance there. Go and see what he was doing at Florida Atlantic. It's, it's amazing. And again, that's what Matt rule did. He, Matt rule took temple and made them into something and then went to a Baylor that was emaciated and put them back on the map before he came back to the NFL. That is the, that's the Matt rule playbook and Matt rule, I believe is also going to be one of the great coaches in the NFL going forward.
2: All right. Okay. You, you've done your, your cell <laughs> job. That's the one you're you're really pounding the table for. <laughs> no, I have one
1: that I'm really pounding the table for coming up a little bit later. But okay. like, I think I'm going to pound the table on all these guys. Don't worry. So
2: <laughs> well, anyway,
1: we, we, have we got a got limited it. amount of time. If we do, do. We do. Mail we got I, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Let's, let's move on. Uh, number two, Ryan.
3: All right. So this is my uh, Matt Rule, Cliff Kingsbury kind of hire if the Lions want to go to the college coaching ranks. Um, It's not Lane Kiffin. It is Iowa State's Matt Campbell. Now, if you are at all familiar with the Maction, this is a former Matt coach of the year. Toledo Uh, guy. Toledo guy. um, Makes his way, you know, interim coach for Toledo, then gets promoted, then he has success at Toledo, um, wins the MAC, and then moves on to Iowa State, completely rebuilds their program uh AP Big 12 coach of the year um and now he has Iowa State position to win their first Big 12 championship since uh, before the great depression so um <laughs> here's what i like about matt campbell um young guy seems very very personable i mean after the game against texas this week they they were interviewing him and he got pretty emotional and kind of like broke down and, you know, he was just so proud of all the hard work that all of his players had been putting in and just seems like a very down to earth guy. Um, and I think that that's what the lions need. Um, also, you know, background as an offensive line coach in other places that he was at, you know, bowling green before he made his way to Toledo. So offensive minded guy, young college ranks, uh, actually the, the jets, wanted to interview him last season and he declined the interview. So it seems like he's a pretty smart guy too. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, I, uh, why would he I'm...
1: take the lion's job then? <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, um, oh. Hopefully, hopefully he says, I want to coach Frank rag now. Hopefully that's the selling point is that, I mean, let's think about this. I mean, realistically, on. one of the, one of the building blocks that you would count as being an essential piece to the lions moving forward is their offensive front. And I mean, what better to get a guy in, in here who has guys like TJ Hawkinson and, you know, Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson and Taylor Decker? Like, I mean, that has to be appetizing. But
2: yeah, I mean, he's, he's from Toledo, so I like it automatically.
3: Um, <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah,
2: he's a guy I need Jeremy, to do a deeper dive on. But I do, you know, all the things I hear about him, like great personality fit that that to me is one of the the, the biggest things that have come through from what I've heard about on him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Jeremy, who's your number two? My number two just hung 45 points on the Indianapolis Colts defense. (laughs) Give me Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator. I mean, you look at what he's done with Ryan freaking Tannehill, a former first round pick that was just flailing in the first, you know, five, six years of his career. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the past two seasons. And you think of the Titans offense and you're like, eh, it's just Derrick Henry. No, it's not. If you're looking at DVOA, this team has actually been better passing the ball than they've been running the ball. And yes, Derrick Henry helps both of those things. But to me, he's turned that Titans offense into one of the better ones. One of the most overlooked, I think offenses in the NFL, because we just kind of hyper-focus on Derrick Henry, 402 points for the Titans last year, second most in franchise history. uh, And, I mean, he's one really interesting thing about him is that he's served in Tennessee for the past six or seven years under four different head coaches. Every single one was like, you know what? You're worth keeping around. You know what? You're worth keeping around. You know what? You're worth keeping around. And now it's all seeming to click in Tennessee, and he has a big part in that. Now, again, I got some cons that I want to talk about. The fact that he's been in Tennessee basically his entire career, that could be viewed as a downgrade. Like, we, we just hired a guy who spent one – whole his entire career in one place. And it tends to get you a little narrowly focused. Now the fact that he's been with four head coaches, maybe that means he's been a little more diversified in what he's seen in the NFL. Um and other than that, he just doesn't have a ton of experience. He's 38, so he's also pretty young. Um only been coaching for, you know, not not nearly as long as as the the next guy I want to talk about. But overall, I'm I'm really impressed with what they're doing in Tennessee. He's been able to really I mean if you want the the run game to finally be here in Detroit, and I don't want that to necessarily be a focus because, like I said, I think Arthur Smith has done a great job with balance. Um, but w- I've talked before about how I want an offensive-minded coach. He seems to be one of the smart young guys in the NFL who's able to do it in different ways. And so Arthur Smith is number two on my list.
1: No, I like it. And my number two, or should I say, this is kind of the uh, – I feel like this is a steady choice. And for a lot of the same reasons that Jeremy is going with, it kind of uh, informs my choice here for my number two slash uh, can write the ship and kind of be steady and, and probably reliable. And that is another offensive coordinator who also had a win today. And we're going to go up to New York State, Brian, uh, Brian Dabble. I think I'm saying that name right. Excuse me. Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Now, Brian Dabble is I he was I just kind of like was, you know, did a lot of research last week or so into him. And like, look, he's got a pretty long he's got a pretty long uh, track record as far as where he's been, but he's still young. He's forty five. You know, not as young as Joe Brady, but, you know, still respectable age there. Um, he has some New England backgrounds, if you want to hold that against him. But he was doing positional coach stuff there. Uh, you know, he's he took some time. He was with the Browns. He was with the Dolphins. He was with the Chiefs. Uh, and even jumped down to the he was the quarterback's coach in Alabama in 2017, where he worked with Jalen Hurts and Tua tonga But Since coming to Buffalo, man, like it's hard to argue about what he's been able to turn some of those pieces on Buffalo into. Like Josh Allen, I know Ryan does not like Josh Allen much at all, but look at what he's gotten. But the success of Josh Allen, thus, Josh Allen might not be good, but Dabble has gotten. Amazing work out of him. He's got an amazing work out of the best pieces out there. And everything we know about Dabble is that he is a big X's and O's guy. He has kind of this scheming magic that is working up there in Buffalo, which is a place that has never had an offense. And the Bills are just housing people right now. They're they're 8-3. and three. They're going to be going to the playoffs. He's had several teams looking at him for head coaching jobs. I think the Browns wanted uh, interviewed him Uh, lat this year so he's going to get a head coaching job soon other teams see the possibility in him as a head coaching candidate so i like brian dabble as kind of your offensive coordinator sexy pick to go to the detroit lions i like
2: that that's 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 a guy not a lot of people are talking about and so because um, it's the buffalo bills yeah probably probably number
3: one
1: yeah let's talk about our number ones
3: So we all have the same number one
1: spoiler alert. We all have the same number one. I think it's the (laughs) one that has made uh, Twitch chat going insane here uh, waiting for us to say it. It is we we, it's it's the guy from Dearborn. He's the hometown kid and everything. It's it's Robert Sala. Like we all have him on our list at our number one. Yeah, there's no there's really not much to say. I think I I wrote it down as my number one. But like if he wants this job, you give him the job pick.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you've heard how much I've been pounding the table for an offensive guy. So for me to put Robert Salah, a, a defensive guy at number one, really sh- goes to show you how much I respect the man and, and would get excited as a, as a head coaching candidate. And I'm not usually one to get all that excited about this sort of thing because I, I realize, like, you were saying it off air, like, sometimes there's this group thing, sometimes we all get excited about the same guy, and then we're all wrong. Like, I don't know. I can't think of any recent examples in Detroit. There's probably not any. None whatsoever. Um, None whatsoever. Uh, But, I mean, he's he's had the longest coaching career of all of my candidates he's a former linebackers coach guess what needs a lot of help on the lines right now linebackers um i know Matt was mm-hmm. on the linebackers too so let's let's ignore that uh-
1: <laughs> yeah and, and like, you don't and, and i think i think our focus on offensive guys has been warranted we kind of do this thing right i think we talked about this before uh more towards like person personality too like we seem to a- nfl in general We flip flop. Hey, did the defensive guy not work out? Let's go get an offensive mind. Did the did the jerk did the hard nose jerk, you know, yelling, yelling at people guy not work out? Well, let's go get a player's coach. That guy was too soft. Let's go get a firm leader of men. We go back and forth constantly in the NFL. But I think there is like solid can go and hire one of these Brian Dabbles or Joe Brady's or. Or any of these guys of the world, and make them their coordinator. He just needs to be a leader of men. And everything I've heard about Salah in forty in you know in San Francisco is that Kyle Shanahan's kind of the guy who's in the back scheming up stuff, kind of doing his wizardry, really into you know really into the schemes and everything. And Salah is the ex- executor of that will. He is the guy who puts that all into motion and kind of he he's kind of the 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 go to the the major domo of Shanahan. Yeah. Which I mean, that's perfect for a head coach.
2: Yeah. There, there's a couple of points I want to make there, too. Like he his success is obviously independent of the head coach. The head coach is an offensive yes. guy. He's a defensive guy. So that that's already a big check in his, you know, where, where we can't give a check for Eric Bieniemy, that's where Salah has a big advantage there. I want to read this paragraph from Niners Nation, um, who wrote an article, I think today, called Salah is the early favorite to become the Lions' next head coach. Niners Nation, um, the SB Nation blog for the Niners. Here's what uh, writer Kyle Posey has to say. Losing Salah to Detroit would be a worst case scenario for the 49ers. The Lions fired their general manager, Bob Quinn. They'll also need someone to call the offense. Salah could pluck Adam Peters, the current vice president of personnel, to the 49ers to be his GM in Detroit, along with Mike McDaniel. The latter has been the genius behind the 49ers' run game as offensive coordinator. That'd give the Lions a power combo that would be difficult to top. Now... Yeah, I, The idea of him plucking someone from Kyle Shanahan has me very, very hot and bothered. I am I'm a huge fan of Kyle Shanahan. So if he can pull anyone from that San Francisco offensive side of the ball to bring with him, whoo boy, yes, please. And yeah. also, he has a good eye for, for coaching staff because there was a great article by John Neo that, that kind of went through Salah and, and some of the amazing personal stories that he's gone through. And one interesting point he talked about when they were both at Central Michigan there was a, a spot on the offense that opened up that Salah could have gone after. He didn't, and he recommended someone else who was a, a, a relative unknown. And this is actually for the Houston Texans, I should say. But he recommended someone from those CMU days, Matt LaFleur. Has a good eye for talent. Mm-hmm. That man is now a head coach in the NFL. And so, I mean, I, I think I think he could put together a good staff. I think his defensive, you know... Acumen speaks for itself. His first two years were obviously not that great in San Francisco as a first-time play caller, but you see what he's doing now. Even with a decimated defensive roster right now, San Francisco is in the top ten in basically every defensive stat. We just saw them today pretty much shut down the Rams completely. They they had twenty points, I think, in that game. Yeah, he took a and no, seven they won. of them they won a, today. They won, yes. The Rams yeah. had twenty points in that game and seven of them were defensive scores. Um so he shut down the Rams after the Rams put a hurting. Uh, on, on what, the Bucks last week or whatever. But either way, that 49ers defense is rolling even with a, a, a decimated roster. He's exciting. He's excited on the sidelines. Give me Robert Salah. He's first, and, and it's not close.
1: Ryan, any thoughts on Salah?
3: I think what's most interesting is what Jeremy just brought up. If it's if it's Robert Salah and he's bringing somebody along with him to kind of ease that transition um, in Peter's, I think that's interesting if if they decide to kind of <clears throat> now this sounds silly, right? Because the Lions just tried to replicate what another team did and they recruited two guys from Boston to try to do that. Um, I'd be a little bit more optimistic about this one just because it isn't attached to that putrid tree. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I think I think the thing with the Salah hiring would would that would provide me with uh optimism would be like the ties to Shanahan, the ties to you know John Lynch, who's done an awesome job as a general manager with with Peters as you know vice president. Like I, I like the connections there more than I was gonna be in on anything Matt Patricia related.
1: For me, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. The other thing that I want to touch on is the, the, the the feeling I always got with Patricia is I didn't feel like, and and this is, this is me going character here. I mean, besides the obvious problems with Patricia's character, I never felt like Patricia really gave a damn about the organization about, you know, it, it was about his personal glory at the end of the day. And for for Salah, I, I know I'm projecting a little bit, but man, He's from. He went to Dearborn, Michigan. He he went to Fordson and Dearborn. He he attended college at Northern Michigan. The guys from the guys from around Michigan, and I mean, maybe that means something. It, it would be nice to get someone in here who seems to really give a damn again, who cares about this whole idea. Is like, hey, the Lions should be on that map. The Lions should be on that map. They should like. They 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 don't deserve the reputation of like. Okay, this is a low tier job. Like. And I just yeah, I I think I think it does matter at the end of the day if you can get someone like Salah in here who has, you know, who hopefully will have a good heart out there and just can show that you can like put this team back together.
2: And and the and the one thing I will say about the the Michigan ties like I, we we're already seeing starting to see a conversation about. Well, you know, there's there's four GM openings already. There's four or five head coaching openings. Why would anyone choose the Lions when they got to start from the bottom up when they have a, a an aging quarterback on a on a hefty contract? Well, Robert Salah would probably take this job. The Lions were his yeah. hometown team. How awesome would it be to to become the head coach of your childhood team and and be the one to turn things around? Like yeah, that to be that a has, savior at this point. That ha- that would have to be. One of like, Ooh. it'd be an amazing story. It it you, you have to imagine it, it's it, it's it, it a temptation for him. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an t- absolute temptation. And so, I mean, I'm I, I hate to fall in love with a guy this early when we don't even have a, a general manager. But to me, all the stars are aligned here. The only the only major concern are is those first two years in, in San Francisco where the defense was bad, very bad. Um and then and then they get kind of an influx of talent and everything turns around. Now, I think I think this year is a good example though that that he can deal with not so great talent. They've had so many injuries and they've been doing pretty well and keeping their head above water. So there there is a concern there, but he's an energetic guy. He's a young guy, and uh, I, I just think all the stars kind of align here where it would make a lot of sense to bring him here. And that concludes our list cast. Uh
1: so going down the names again, we both have given thought we all have given thumbs down to Jim Harbaugh, Eric Mienney. Um Ryan's lift uh list, excuse me, Matt Campbell, Byron Leftwich, Robert Salah. Jeremy's list uh if uh Joe Brady, Arthur Smith, Robert Salah, for myself Lane Kiffen, I see chat hating me for it. Don't. <laughs> I'm telling you man, trust, big trust. Uh, um Brian Dabble from the Buffalo Bills and Robert Salah. We're, we're all in agreement about Salah. You know, this, that that's how sexy the pick is. And again, maybe we're doing some group think. I don't care. We're going to take a quick break. And then I think when we come back, we have mailbag to get to. We've, we've kind of put it off for a while. I want to get some questions in here in the post-Patricia era as we wrap up the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit P.O.D. cast classic style. We haven't done a mailbag in a main podcast in a while. It's always kind of been its own thing lately. Um, We have a few questions we're going to get to. I know we're going long here, but we're going to get some questions. And thank you if you're listening to the whole thing on uh, downloaded on on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Or um, if you're watching one of the replays on Twitch or YouTube. So let's get to the mailbag Uh, Do we want to start Lions question or should we just uh, go off the rail here? Um, Actually, no, I'm going to start with the Lions question since we were just talking about coaching candidates from Al Bashara, who is asking us, assuming we get a solid general manager and coach replacement this offseason and based on the current roster, how many seasons away from, quote, meaningful games in December, unquote, are we?
2: It's a good question and I think we've all been a bit pessimistic in the past few weeks about where this roster is and saying, you know, this is kind of a a long-term reclamation project, you know, we've already seen Dan Orlovsky and I'm only saying his name to get a reaction out of Ryan. Um we we've seen him kind of make it crack a joke at Matt Patricia's expense saying like the next head coach actually has a lot of work to do when they take over. And it's true. But I think if if the the bar, you know, which If if you're setting the bar at meaningful games at December, which is fairly low, and it's something that we should have at least gotten to this year and we didn't, I I could say I could see it happening in year two. I think I think there are enough offensive pieces with Stafford, or if you decide to go quarterback quarterback um, in the draft, uh, you got a good running back, you got a good tight end, you got three at least three, maybe even four good pieces on the offensive line. That's at least enough of a building block, and then you get a if you get a defensive minded coach like Robert Sala, then then maybe the defense turns around a little bit quicker than than you'd think, and you know two you can make a lot of a lot of you know roster changes in two years. So I'd say year two you could get meaningful games.
3: The the tough thing is Jeremy is that you almost have to have meaningful games happening in December by year two; otherwise, you're on the hot seat, just like Matt Patricia was. Sure, yeah, so. That's that's the tough thing about the NFL. Like you, you like it's a results oriented league and you have to have those those results. And if if that doesn't happen, then then you're out the door. So I would hope it's by a year two.
1: I don't have a really an answer here. I was just I'm dealing with some technical difficulties on my end. I found one of our recorders crashed, so um, have to put together some of this. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast and there's suddenly some bit noises because we once again have to pull from Twitch, I apologize um, in the middle of this podcast. But I mean, we're rolling recorders now, so it's fine. But maybe during the the uh, the, the list cast crap. Anyway, sorry. Adequate. Just put the thing out there. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think we're at least probably 3 years. I think whatever success is going to come with the Lions is unfortunately at this point going to come after Stafford unless he has a really good back end to his career. I think it's going to take some time to rebuild at this point. Um I think we talked about this uh yesterday Jeremy, like the main parts you can build around right now are like half the offensive line and DeAndre Swift for the long term. And you know, we know running backs have kind of a shelf life too. So, yeah, but no, I think I think it's I think it's possible. I'm not anything's possible in the NFL at this point. Like we've seen some crazy stuff. We might even be able to win with the talent that's here as bad as we've been bagging
2: them. Does feel like coaching has been a pretty big issue. And so maybe maybe guys like Tracy Walker, Deshaun Hand, maybe they thrive under someone new. Look,
1: man, I have seen too many of those these worst to first kind of scenarios in the NFL in recent years. Guys come in and suddenly they just light the joint on fire. They usually take a step back after that. But I mean, we saw it with the Rams, right? Like McVay comes in first year, they just take off. I mean, granted, they had a ton of talent in in Los, in Los Angeles, uh, yeah, in Los Angeles. But when they jettisoned Jeff Fisher, but you know, point point remains. All right, um, Albino Coconut, sending us two questions. What part of the Thanksgiving meal is your favorite leftover to have in the following days? He has a second question, but let's get let's get to the
2: Thanksgiving question first. I'll I'll be honest. Dressing slash, uh, what do you well, stuffing or, or stuffing? Stuffing went like almost to the top of my side dish. Uh, power rankings this Thanksgiving. I don't know if I've just been eating bad stuffing and dressing my entire life, but that shit's that shit's fire. Like, and I, I've I it was it's the first thing I've I've eaten from my leftovers. There aren't any left, and I'm mad about it. Uh, it it's it's stuffing by a, by a, a long shot. It's a Robert Salah above everyone else. <laughs>
1: um so I usually go pumpkin pie but this year is the first year I made my own cranberry sauce and I have a jar of it I have a mason jar full of it in the fridge right now and I've been kind of going in and taking spoonfuls and like putting it on some toast or something or just serving up with some other meat and um yeah I mean hey the usual one is probably like the turkey sandwich right just taking that turkey and just making a you know, loading it up with some veggies and cheese and that's always good too Ryan do you have an answer on this
3: yeah, I, I like the m- my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is the leftover open face sandwich I make with, you know, all the fixings on top of it. But 100 percent, the best side dish is green bean casserole.
1: Here it comes again.
3: But you know, at least we got Jeremy, to this here I I totally, I, 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 I Oh, get the hell out of here. Here's, here's what <laughs> Listen, I at, at least, least what you at you
1: least there's no Kyle here to talk about fruit salad, you know, <laughs> yeah, just at, at least, least count your that. blessing.
3: Jeremy, I totally agree with you, though. Like, if you're just having the stuffing revelation now, you were having some really bad stuffing. But it's totally, <laughs> it's totally within the realm of possibility that people make bad stuffing, because that happens all the time. You see the atrocities every year on social media. So uh, yeah. green bean casserole, though, for the win.
1: A lot of people uh, also this year trying to cancel turkey for whatever reason, saying turkey's a bad meat. Can I just tell you, people out there, Brian, your damn bird. <laughs> yeah, First thing right there, brine your Bird, and then use some seasonings besides salt and pepper.
3: Yeah. And also what you just mentioned too, Chris, like I think a huge cheat code to eating turkey is taking a bite of cranberry sauce with it. Like it's just yeah, perfect. It's, it, you're supposed
1: to serve it with the other things. You get a spoonful, you mix it up there. But even on its own, like I was we were talking here on Thanksgiving. We had our Discord chat out here. I was talking with. um Oh God, I'm I'm completely blanking on his name now, and I really shouldn't because he's been he's an older guy who hangs out with us in the chat. But he was talking about smoking the turkey, like you don't need to bake it in the oven. If you do, you absolutely have to brine the bird. But there's so many ways you can prep your bird on Thanksgiving. I don't get this hate against turkey. Turkey is a great meat, lunch meat. It's a great meat, and like if you're really not feeling the flavor on it, second cheat code, go for the dark meat. Go for the dark meat and don't look bad, man. I know everyone wants turkey breast. They want the white meat. It's healthy, whatever. Get yourself a drumstick. Get yourself a thigh. Treat yourself. All right. Um, his second question, if we're pulling a coach or GM, would it be better to grab a hot name or someone from a traditionally solid and stable franchise? He's thinking Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh or Baltimore that has success every single year. Well, I think the problem there is a lot of those guys just aren't aren't available.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think I think his answer to it, so it's it's either get the hot name or you go for a traditional franchise that, that develops right. a bunch of things. And I think the answer is different for coach and GM. For coach, I'm all for grabbing the hot name because yeah. if you're grabbing a, a coach from a traditionally good franchise, you're running the risk of the franchise. You know, whoever's running the franchise really the one that that's. Producing all the talent, whether it's, you know, constantly drafting well or, you know, the head coach at, at the top of it. You know, Tomlin's obviously doing a good job over in in, in Pittsburgh and, and Harbaugh is doing a good job over there in, in Baltimore. But if you're talking general manager, I'm 100 percent OK with grabbing a guy from, you know, one of those franchises that, like I said, a lot of a lot of times those, those teams are doing well because they are. They they have great talent scouts. They have guys that are bringing in the right guys in free agency. They have the guys, they're you know bringing drafting well and and, and finding the right college things. So if if I'm talking head coach, I'm hoping the hot name as long as it's not tied to maybe one of those franchises. And then if you're going GM, yeah, give me a, a guy who's who's cut his teeth with a, a good franchise. And I realize Bob Quinn, yes, is, is one of those guys. But um, I think you just you just maybe don't do Patriots, and then you might be okay.
1: Yeah. Um, by the way, it, it was Big Al. Uh, I'm sorry, I've completely missed your name, Big Al, who was smoking the turkey. Um, no, I agree with everything you were saying there. Who you were saying there, Jeremy? Like, uh, it, it's just hard with these big, older franchise. Some of those franchises that just, like, I mean, how I I don't know how to really rule out of you know who I'm taking out of Baltimore. I just don't. When you got John Harbaugh there, some of those, like, it, it, it it's it feels like. And again, it feels like a lot of those guys aren't available and they're not available for a reason, too. Like they're just they're just beholden to that franchise. I think what makes them good is that their coaching staffs aren't constantly looking for for new jobs all the time. You want that to be your case eventually in Detroit, if you're going to be a, you know, a good team is that you've got the head coach who has his coaching staff locked down, who is not getting poached. I think that's important, Ryan.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree with that being a uh, an important point. Yeah. Um,
1: Loaded Aries sends us this question. On a percentage basis, how certain do you guys think the Boston boys were going to get let go after Thursday's game? And what does this say about Sheila so far? So if you listen to the podcast we recorded on Saturday, I think we were very hard on Sheila Ford Hamp considering some of the things that she said, including that she still thought the Lions were in the playoff hunt and kind of seemed like go. she was just, yeah. I mean, yeah. And like, you know, probably looking at the record, but I, I don't know. Maybe she's just an optimistic fan at the end of the day, Jeremy. Maybe she's drunk the Kool-Aid. Maybe she's not, maybe she's not an SOL or whatever. I don't know. Um, I would say percentage, I was going to, I think I was at a 65%. I, I think I have been saying for weeks prior, they were either going to be fired or, after Thanksgiving or at the end of the season. I think I was at 65% after Thanksgiving.
3: I, I think we said it on this podcast that we expected if there was going to be a firing, that it was going to happen after Thanksgiving, a nationally televised game to a mm-hmm. rather listless Texans team. Um, if if that happened, um, obviously some other dominoes had to fall, but the Carolina loss really Pave the way. You know, if I, I think I don't know if the Lion if the Lions end up winning that Carolina game, maybe Sheila Fordham still thinks the Lions are, are in the playoff hunt. If they if they lose if they lose then to the Texans, do, does does the firing still happen or does she does she wait it out a little bit longer? But I think the Carolina loss was the loss where it was all right, shut out for the first time in over a decade. Um it, it, the the writing on the wall is pretty clear here at this point. I just don't know if without that domino falling, if a loss on Thanksgiving, no matter how it would have been, would have been the final nail in the coffin for both of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think two embarrassing back to back losses in those fashions in four days that's that's okay. that that's that's a that's a killing blow
3: and jeremy you go ahead and grab your point but the last thing i want to say is if, if you're sheila ford and you think well this is still a team that might have playoff aspirations and then you lose two games like the way they lost those games to carolina and houston well then it's like i thought i had thought i had ritz crackers and i got saltines
2: i like saltines uh, <laughs> i like saltines too
3: but i crackerless cast
2: sometime i'm not entirely sure uh what the question is asking, whether it means whether I thought they'd get fired literally right after the Thanksgiving game or whether I thought they'd get fired period. Cause if, if the question is, did I think they'd get fired after their performance period? 99% like they were done. They were cooked. I don't know. I like a I, bird. Was, yes. Like a Burke. And, 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 and I don't know, I, I was probably, I probably about 60, 65% chance that it was going to happen in the following days from that, that firing. And and to the second question, what does it say about Sheila, not much <laughs> I mean if, if I'm being completely honest, the Lions got blown out in four out of their past five games, several of them against not good teams. like you said, the last two in the in the past five days were absolutely embarrassing and you got caught on camera face palming your your hands were forced at this point like that you did not have a choice but to say, Okay, it's time to go. And again, I'm a little scared that there was some rumors that they took that extra day to wonder. I'm not sure about Bob Quinn. Should he go too? Like, that should have been pretty clear from the get go too. And that has me concerned. That might say more to me about Sheila Ford than the fact that she actually pulled the trigger, because to me that decision was made for her.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it does feel like. I hate to invoke the ghost of William Clay Ford, but. Maybe there was some reluctance to pull the trigger when the trigger needed to be pulled. Which, I mean, that was a hallmark of of the late William Clay Ford all the time.
3: How much of it also real quick, do you think that maybe the fact that Bob Quinn was, um, you know, Bob Quinn was Martha's first hire, like how much that maybe had to to play into it, whether or not she's like, well, I, I really like Bob Quinn.
2: Maybe I don't know. I, I I do know it. At some point in you know in the past two years or so, the Lions kind of made it clear to, to some people that those two weren't as tied together as maybe some people thought they were. But to me, there's there's no question that they were tied together. Like they had to be tied together. He hired him first of all. Second of all, Bob Quinn admitted he's much more comfortable drafting under Bob, uh, drafting for Matt Patricia. And the results speak for themselves because it sure didn't, sure didn't look like it. And if you, if you take Matt Patricia out of the equation, you take the Patriot way out of the equation, how much worse is he going to draft if he has to draft for people that aren't for that system? So, I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer for me, which is why, again, I'm, I'm not here patting Sheila Fordham on the back for making a decision that was basically made for her.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's the uh, Jerry's still out for me on a lot of that. Um, Kyle at your uncle Kyle sends us this question. aside from losses, uh, parenthetical draft positioning, what should we want to see from the Lions for the rest of the
2: season? Um, for me, it's just young guys, right? like this is your opportunity to see what you have for the future. so, I'd love to see Jelani Tavai take a couple steps. I don't think I'm going to. I'd love to see DeAndre Swift be able to play and and stick through it healthily. I think there might be some people that are like, no, you put DeAndre Swift on the sideline, you don't want him to get hurt. I'm not one of those people. I want to see him showcase his talents, see what he can do. He's still kind of, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of games in the NFL, so I want to see him develop. Um, Who else? I mean, Jeff Okuda I want to see out there. I want to see him get better. Um, I, th- I think that's the focus is just the guys that remain here under contract, the guys that we know absolutely for sure will be on the team next year, get those guys, some reps, make them play better and, and see what goes on from there. And may- maybe you can say the same about some of the coaching staff as well. Maybe give them bigger roles and, and see what they can do. See what all, you know, Daryl Bevel can do as a head coach. I know he has head coaching aspirations, Um <clears throat> See, see. I mean, maybe you can somehow. Everyone, everyone seems to love uh, special teams coordinator Braden Coombs. Um, maybe slide him some extra things. Maybe make him like a defensive um, assistant or something. Just, I don't know. Just the pieces that are that we know are going to be around next year. Let's see how they do down the stretch.
1: Ryan, your thoughts on the question?
3: Three word answer: Healthy Matthew Stafford.
1: That would be good. Yeah.
3: If if anything happens to Matthew Stafford that hurts his trade value, that's going to be a huge problem because then the Lions are stuck with him.
1: Yeah. And the way he's been getting sacked recently, it does kind of, I, I'm with you on the trade value because I don't think Stafford is a long-term future or even a, me, a medium-term future in Detroit at this point. Yeah. And just, and, just and, logically. And don't get
3: me wrong. There there, there are worse positions to be in than being stuck with Matthew Stafford. But what I'm saying is if Stafford gets hurt, then that completely evaporates any chance you have of doing anything with him if you want to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Last question here, and then we're going to wrap this up. Mr. Holland F3, Stephen James, sending us this question. What questions would you ask a potential coach regarding how they could win with the roster as it is? And what questions would you ask a potential general manager to get an understanding of what they thought of the current roster?
3: I have, I have a question that I would ask uh, the yeah. general manager. I would say, do you put a premium on speed? Because <laughs> that is what this Lions defense needs. Like, they just need to be faster. They, they need to literally cut the weight and they need to go to uh, a system, and this is why I'm a big Soleil guy, is the the, the 49ers have Fred Warner, and he might be the best linebacker in football because there are so few linebackers today that fit run fits and also can cover people. Fred Warner is a cheat code in the NFL today. If I have a general manager coming in, I want a general manager who recognizes how important it is to have speed along that middle part of your defense because we've all seen first we've all been firsthand witnesses to how bad this defense has been and each year it's been the same thing it's been a lack of a pass rush but i mean (laughs) it's been some pretty bad linebacker play so if i if i could ask a general manager i would ask them how much they prioritize speed being a, a thing for their defense i agree with all that yeah
2: yeah. I'll I'll throw um, one for the head coach as well then. Um I, I'd simply ask him, listen, your your secondary isn't holding up. Are you willing to be a little risky and send some two, three, four man blitzes to help compensate, to help give them a spark, to help potentially make a quarterback make a mistake? Because this coaching staff was one hundred percent unwilling to do something like that. And and I think that's that's how you win when you're short handed in talent, when you don't have guys that can cover very well when you don't have necessarily a front four that can win one-on-ones you have, you have to send some sort of risk and not just kind of bang your head against the wall and say, well, eventually it's going to work. You got to change things up. And so blitzing, I know it sounds overly simplistic and maybe it is. Um, but I just, I want a head coach that that's willing to maybe ramp things up in, in one area to help compensate for, for a bad spot on their team.
1: I would have one question. Um, looking at the general manager or if the head coach wants in on this. Maybe I'm going to bring both in. I'll set them up here and I'm going to give them a list of all the recruits in college due to come out in 2021, 2022, maybe 2023. I'm going to tell them, pick on there one to two edge rushers you think are going to be here in, in the NFL. I go fucking draft them already. Jesus Christ. I'm tired of not having a pass rush. That's all. Give get, 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 get me, get me, get me a pass rush, please. For the love of Christ, I am so tired of watching all these guys drop back into coverage. For only we're only sending three. Like, please, for the love of Christ, get me an edge rusher.
3: Totally fair and warranted. The the one thing that you would obviously think would be the first question you would ask any head coach or GM, it would be. So what do you want to do with Matthew Stafford?
2: Yes, that's the other big point, too. True. Like, but what what's the answer you want to hear, though? See,
3: that's, I, I, I just want to hear the answer. I don't want to have hear an answer. That's a,
1: that's a really an tough mind. answer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have an open mind on that on that issue. I have a completely open mind, but I want to know you have a plan.
3: Yes, the plan is the important thing, because that's where it seemed like Bob Quinn lacked in execution. Like... If his plan was the Patriot way, and, and this is something that Zack Snyder said that I thought was really smart on Twitter. Um, if, if they came to do the Patriot way, they did not do that by going out and signing all these players to big contracts. That is not the Patriot way. The Patriot way is drafting and finding undrafted free agents and then all of a sudden getting high-level play out of them and then moving on from them when they you know, out, you know outplay their market value. Like Bob Quinn had a plan, but he didn't stick to it.
1: Yeah. I think that's where we are going to leave this podcast. Um, We've got through our list cast. We're bringing back mailbag. Uh, We've got some, we were going to try to figure out what we're going to be doing for the rest of the season. Obviously I think first bite is now going into the can. Um, Any like quick 30 to 10 seconds on bears uh, on lions, bears coming
2: up here. Nope. (laughs) Right now they're loo They're about to. Yep they they're just now losing, which no one cares about. Could, listening to the podcast because the game's already over. It's not live. Um, Mitchell Trubisky's probably going to play, so that's going to be sad for everybody involved. My my
1: preview on it is bleep you Robert Zaglinski.
2: <laughs> to be also to be to be clear, we're working on a mid season replacement midweek replacement for
1: yeah no 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 that's not gone we're mm. going to be doing some other stuff we're just yeah, we just, just, just not previewing i don't i don't, I don't no think cares anyone about. cares about where these games are going no. like it's, it's just sadness yeah. uh ryan any thoughts on bears lines we own the bears
3: make the pain stop
1: <laughs> hashtag make the pain stop 2020 with that <laughs> we say farewell to you on the pride of detroit podcast cast for myself for jeremy for Ryan Matthews, we will see you, Starside.